0: You're listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. This is episode seven how to get repeat purchases for your e commerce store. On today's episode, I'm interviewing e commerce marketing expert and strategist Jessica Totela Coster from e commerce badassery. Now, Jessica is an email marketing specialist. She's actually worked with me at Encircled on our Clavio. Uh, email software. So you know, she knows her stuff. So this one, she is dropping some major tips on email marketing. So get a pen and a notebook ready for this one. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot. All right, let's dig in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brave and Boss the Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled and transformational business coach at Brave and Boss. I am super excited to have today's guest on our show. You know, funny story is that this guest and I actually worked together on an email marketing project at Encircled. So I had found her in a Facebook group, just randomly that I was a part of, and I was looking for somebody to help us with our ClaviO integration this is maybe a couple years ago and we just connected we had a quick call and then we worked on a small project together and lo and behold I got a pitch for her to be on my podcast and I was like absolutely I will have her on the podcast because Jessica Totela Coster is amazing. She is an e-commerce and email marketing strategist for boutique owners just like you and product entrepreneurs. She supports scrappy female entrepreneurs with actionable steps and strategies to grow and scale their e-commerce businesses. After 20 plus years in retail, owning her own multi six-figure brick and mortar boutique and three years as the only employee of a seven-figure e-commerce store and having the pleasure of learning from the top experts in the field, she's now sharing everything she learned the hard way. So you don't have to, which we can totally appreciate. So please welcome Jessica to the show. All right. I am really excited to be back with you on Brave the Podcast with another interview. This time I'm welcoming Jessica Totila Coster to the show. She is an e-commerce strategy expert and supporter for female entrepreneurs. And she's got tons of experience with retail e-commerce email marketing. I am so excited to have somebody like this on our show. Welcome, Jessica.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Christy. I am super excited to be here.
0: Well, let's dig into it and just start off with like a little bit of an intro. So tell me a little bit about what you do and what e-commerce badassery is.
1: You got it. So I work with female entrepreneurs in the e-commerce space. And I really take a high-level, holistic view of their business. I've been in retail a long time, 20-plus years, which is weird to say I've done anything for that long. And so I have a really good 360 view of what the retail and e-commerce machine is. So I like to come into someone's business, maybe they're doing multi-six or seven figures, and they're not really sure how they got there. They didn't have a step-by-step strategy, but they don't know how to get to the next step now. So that's where I come in and teach them how to read and understand their data and find the holes and kind of plug that in and bring that e-commerce puzzle all together for them. And I do that through one-on-one coaching. I work on a lot of email things getting people's emails set up for them that's a service that I provide and also through my podcast and what will be a group coaching program
0: okay so I didn't know you had a podcast that's very exciting so tell us what is the podcast called and where can people find it
1: for sure. So it's called the E-commerce Badassery podcast <laughs> and <course>. it <laughs> and it is available wherever you listen. Um, I really focus on actionable steps and strategies so you can listen and go implement. Um very in the masculine energy in that way. I'm not really woo at all. Um I I'm definitely want to Talk more about the mindset things. And that's something I'm working on for myself in my own business. So I will eventually bring some of that into it as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing you talked about that you work with kind of that middle stage entrepreneur where they're kind of gotten some traction, but they haven't really made it. They haven't really understood what they've done to get there, which I think is so interesting. And I do a bit of coaching and I've come across that myself as well. So, what do you think? when you, when you start working with these clients who are sitting around, you know, six figures, maybe early seven figures, like what are, do you see any common patterns? Like, is there something that they're all missing um, that's common amongst them? Or is there a common gap that you're seeing like over and over again with the clients you're coaching?
1: Yes, there are two main things and I know you're going to appreciate these because you talk about them all the time on your podcast. And that is understanding the data And really utilizing email marketing properly. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: So those are two topics I'm very passionate about. And so full (laughs) disclosure, Jessica and I have worked together on my business Encircled um, quite a while ago. Maybe it was like two years ago.
1: Yes, you were, I think you were like my third or fourth client. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so I was (laughs) switching to uh, Collivio from MailChimp and we were in (laughs) a whole world of hurt. (laughs) We had no idea what we were doing. Um, So you were great to getting us up and running and just making sure that we set things up properly, which is definitely one of the main things I think that comes up with email marketing. Um, So obviously that's a channel that you're really passionate about. So do you, do you feel like that channel is underutilized by most entrepreneurs? And like, what are some things that, um, people are missing out specifically with email marketing?
1: It is definitely underutilized. And I think the reason why is because it's misunderstood and we put a lot of our own personal feelings about email into that. And so we don't do it. Mm. I, that's interesting. I hear, Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. I hear so many people say, well, I hate getting emails and I don't read emails and you know the Gmail promotions tab and I never see anything. So I'm just not going to do it. Mm, and at yes. the end of the day, if you are not doing email marketing in some capacity in your e-commerce business, you are just leaving money on the table straight up because just because you don't like it, doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I've actually come across that quite a
0: bit with coaching clients where they say they don't want to bother people uh, with emails. And I'm like, no, this is so missing the point. (laughs) So that's really interesting. So how do you help clients then start to reframe that mindset around like switching from like, they personally don't like getting emails, but like, how can they refocus on their customer? And like, what are some tips for like, starting out to build more of a strategy with email marketing?
1: The first thing I usually say is, do you know that email marketing can actually make you money on autopilot where you don't have to do any work? And that, of of course, immediately piques their interest. So I always start out with the automation piece, which we can get deeper into. The other side of that is the campaign piece, right? So these are those one-off emails that you're sending. And what I try and remind them of is if somebody gave you their email address, that is them raising their hand and saying, please tell me more about you, your company, and your product. So why wouldn't you give them what they're asking you for? You're doing them a disservice by not showing up when they asked you to.
0: So what's the best way if somebody's just, let's talk about campaigns first. Um, So what's the first thing you would recommend for people if they are, you know, if they have a bit of a list, because probably you're dealing with people who are, you know, six and seven figures, they probably have a little bit of an email list, if, if not a big one. And maybe they're just not talking to them that often. So how do you start out figuring out, I think one of the biggest blocks that I come across with people is that they don't know what to, put in emails and then they end up overthinking it and then making like a gigantic email. That's like way too long. Um, Like how do people start? Like, what do you recommend for e-commerce merchants who are wanting to start to build out like a campaign calendar? Like where do they start first?
1: For sure. So one of the things I remind them of is not every email has to be salesy. Sometimes your campaigns are just about being top of mind with your customer so that when they are ready to buy, they remember that you exist because if you don't show up, they're likely to forget about you. So one of the things that I'll initially do when it comes to campaign planning, and this is how I used to do it when I still had my day job. I was writing email for a multi seven figure e-commerce business. We had 200,000 email subscribers. We were sending three to four email campaigns a week. And I would sit down with the calendar. I'd usually do this a quarter at a time, just 90 days. And I sit down and I plug in, what are all of my important dates? So When am I having new products launching? When are there sales? If that's something that you do in your business. And I plug those dates in first, and then I look at the holes and say, okay, is there a week where I don't have any messaging? And I think about the customer and what else matters to them that's related to my product. So if we take encircled, right? People care about sustainability. They care about slow fashion. They probably care about the environment. They care about travel and just style in general, like that probably sums up your customer. Mm -hmm. So what, what else can I talk to them about? What are they dealing with in their life right now? What are they Googling? What are they searching for answers to? And can you answer that for them? It doesn't always have to be, hey, look, I have this product. Do you want to buy it from me? And once they sort of make that mental shift of like, okay, I don't always have to ask them for the sale and I can just have a conversation with them, it makes it much easier for them to start creating content ideas.
0: So that's such an interesting point and very well taken that, you know, you really need to know your customer and a little bit about them and like what they kind of want to hear from you. Because it would be kind of weird, I think, if for us, if we started talking about like cars or, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like alligators, like it has to be relevant for sure. So in terms of the campaign, do you recommend like people Uh, create campaigns and then link them to a blog post? Or do you recommend just doing a campaign with like all that educational or inspirational information kind of in the actual email campaign?
1: I definitely recommend linking them back to a blog post if you can, because there's a couple of reasons. One is you need to give a reason for them to interact with the email to protect your deliverability, which is sort of a whole other conversation. But if you're just sending emails and people aren't interacting with them, you may stop getting into the inbox. So that's the number one thing. And two, now that they've made it onto your website, you can pixel them to remarket them later. You can get more data about their behavior. Where are they going? What are they looking at? So if you think of those emails as getting the click, versus getting the sale, then you can always create content that encourages them to come back to your website.
0: Yeah, I love that strategy. We do a lot of blog posts at Encircled and people, oftentimes I I hear from e-commerce founders that they don't have the time to do blog posts, but there's such a, uh, there's so many benefits to doing it beyond even just having something to put in a newsletter, but also from an SEO perspective. So I can totally appreciate that, but also still raising my hand that it is a struggle to get those (laughs) blog posts up sometimes and it's easier to lean back into sales, but I can appreciate the component and the aspect of deliverability being a factor there as well with that interaction and emails. So not always wanting to be pushing the sale, but wanting to have that like kind of balance with value, which I think is super cool. So, and, and then once you've got your like content calendar and you've got your campaign set up and stuff like that, like what are some of the key metrics that you would recommend people look at in terms of like optimizing their campaigns? Like how do they know if a campaign is working?
1: For sure. So there are some standard email benchmarks that you want to know that you're hitting, which is what protects your deliverability, which I'll go over, but I want to, really emphasize that while benchmarks are important and I want you to start there, ultimately, I want you to just be better than you were yesterday and not get so caught up in, well, I'm not hitting these numbers. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So when it comes to your open rate, you want to have at least 20% That is what the email service providers like Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo, et cetera, that's what they're looking for that tells them, okay, this subscriber wants to see this company's emails. Your click rate should be between two and 4%, and that's the people who clicked versus the number of emails you sent, which is different than your click through, which is based on who opened it. That should be about 12 to 14%. It can get a little confusing. Now, when you're looking at these numbers and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm hitting them or I'm not hitting them, what does that actually mean? So when it comes to your open rate, there's a few things to consider. Your subject line, maybe it wasn't good, which actually I find is not really that big of a deal. So don't get hung up on your subject lines when you sent it and who you sent it to. Those are actually the two most important things because if you are sending content that is irrelevant, it doesn't matter how good your subject line is, that person's not going to open it. And then the second piece of that with your click rate, what was the content in the email was it enticing was there a mismatch between the content in the email versus what they thought they were going to see when they read your subject line so those are the things that you can look at and start testing to improve those numbers
0: yeah and that's such a good point that like you have to test this so you can't just like you're never gonna like knock it out of the park on the first try so I think if you're sending out email campaigns and you're feeling like maybe your metrics are not where Jessica is saying the averages are just like, like you said, I love that, like do better than your last email. Um, and it's interesting to hear about subject lines too, because I think on the internet, a lot of people like to talk about the impact of subject lines. So that in itself causes a lot of stress for, for our <laughs> yes. listeners trying to find that perfect, like subject line that will like increase the open rate. But um, You know, I I use Clavio and I know that you're a big fan of that software as well. Um, Is there any best practices for figuring out like the best day and time to send? Is it just a matter of like testing over a couple of weeks or are there any tools that people can use to figure that out?
1: Yes. So Clavio actually has a tool that will do this for you, but you have to have a certain number of subscribers. And I, I don't remember off the top of my head what that is, but it's called um, smart sending. That's not it. What is it called? What it does? Let me explain what it does, and then I can get you the information. You could stick it in the show notes. For sure, is it will take an email and it will spread it over a 24-hour period and send it to the majority of your subscribers. And it will determine based on the engagement of that email, when is the best time of day for you to send it. So that is, if you have enough subscribers, like I said, is a built-in in Klaviyo. But if you don't have that or you're using a different system, you know, the way I figured it out is you just have to test and just send a bunch of emails and try it out. You know, look at your analytics, your Google analytics, and see when are people actually on your website. It will tell you, you know, time of day when you get the most traffic. So it's likely people are on their phone at that time. Start there and then you can kind of work backwards. And then one other little trick is try Sunday evenings at around six o'clock. Hmm. Traditionally, I have always found that to be a very high revenue generating time because at that point, you know, it's the end of the weekend. People are just sort of sitting around, probably watching TV, scrolling through their phone. And it's a great time to email them.
0: That is a shocking little tip that I just wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever sent an email on Sunday at 6 (laughs) p.m., Um, so I, I will definitely test that for sure. Um, I've, I've used that. I, I don't know what it's called either, but we'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes and link to it. I've used that feature before with the, the, the sending of uh, the emails and clavio has quite a few unique analytics tools. I, I feel like sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed in there with all the analytics that they have. Um, yes. and I know we've talked about their dashboard isn't like the best, um, for performing comparative analytics. Um, but yeah, that's so interesting. And one other thing I wanted to mention on that was we, we always do like a boxing week sale at the end of the year. And actually our best performing email goes out at December 25th, which is horrific, right? At 9 PM. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Because everybody's
0: sitting around doing nothing. (laughs) nothing.
1: Yes, exactly. Even with, you know, Black Friday weekend, you know, people will say like, oh, should I email on Thanksgiving? Like if you're, you know, emailing to people in the U S and yes, you should, because everybody is in food coma. They're tired of sitting at the table with their family and everyone is on their phone. Ah. So really going back to understanding your customer and really thinking about what is this person doing right now? For instance, if you sell a product and you know that you're customer is a mom with three young kids well emailing her during the day probably not the best time because she's got so much else going on but maybe sunday night the kids are asleep right they're tuckered out from all their weekend activities and she's finally got some time to herself
0: Yeah, that's such a great point. And one of the things that we found with, and I'm not sure if you saw it with your clients, but our best times to send emails changed quite dramatically during the pandemic.
1: So Mm -hmm. it
0: used to be in the evening, um, fairly late in the evening on a weekday. And now it's like either like right before work ends or or at noon. So we've seen quite a big shift in um, open rates when we send stuff like at like 12 p.m. versus like 8 p.m which is just a reason why you need to always kind of be watching this and paying attention to behavior. Cause if your customer's behavior changes, because they're no longer commuting from home and you just want to get away from their computer at 5. (laughs) And they're not going to open your email probably either. So, so that's such a great point. Um, So let's flip over and talk a little bit about automations or flows, um, which is a popular topic. So that idea that you can make money while you sleep, which everybody loves to hear. Um, so what are maybe, I know there's a ton you can do, but are there like maybe three basic fundamental flows that you recommend every e-commerce store has?
1: I sure do. So the first one, and I think everyone hopefully will have this, is a welcome series. And that that is the emails you send to them as soon as they sign up for your list. And the goal of this welcome series if you can kind of wrap your head around this, so you'll be able to figure out what content to put in there, is to grow the no, like, and trust factor between your brand and the subscriber. And then ultimately to get that first sale from them. That's all you got to do. Also, oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, and maybe you'll go into it actually, but. How do you, like, how long is a welcome series supposed to be?
1: It depends a little bit on your business, but generally I will start with a template of three to five emails and then adjust it based on the product. So maybe your product in particular, there's a little bit more education that has to happen for the customer to really understand what it does, its value, how it's going to solve their problems. If you have, you know, some low ticket product, that's like more of an impulse buy, you probably don't need as much of that type of content. So it depends a little bit.
0: Yeah. Again, it kind of depends on your customer and your product and who you're selling to and all that kind of good stuff. That's a great tip. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, Okay. So what's anything else on a welcome series that you want to talk about?
1: Yes. So... What I've seen while working with all these e-commerce entrepreneurs is you kind of get two camps of people. You have the ones who really inject a lot of themselves and their story into their business. And you have the other group who is petrified of doing that. And I encourage you to put as much of yourself into the brand as you are comfortable with and then go a little bit further because at the end of the day, I think especially with 2020 and what we've experienced is people are craving connection. And as we live more and more of our lives behind a screen, if you can show up in your their inbox as a human, this person behind this brand and this product, who is, you know, the one actually sitting down and writing the email. And they're like, oh, wow, look, here is this person. She's creating this business, she's supporting her family. I want to buy from her. And the welcome series is where you can really do that and dial that up and share your story with them.
0: This episode is sponsored by Tailwind, the ultimate Pinterest and Instagram scheduler. Get your free trial and $30 credit by visiting tailwindapp.com slash Christy. We all want more traffic to our online store, but let's be real, you do not have time to be sitting in front of your computer all day posting on Instagram and Pinterest. The challenge is these are important channels that are... Dream customers often live on, so we want to be present, active, and engaging. With Tailwind, you can help grow your business with more traffic by using their Pinterest and Instagram scheduling apps, so you can spend more time working on other things. I've personally been using Tailwind for five plus years and love how easy it is to use. Firstly, let's say they are an official Pinterest and Instagram partner, which is excellent. Next, they've got this awesome tailwind create tool where you can build beautiful pins faster than ever before. I can go from idea to pin in just 30 seconds and drive valuable content to my blog or online store immediately. You can also pre-schedule pins and optimize for when your dream customers are online. Lastly, Instagram scheduling is on here as well. They have a free Instagram bio tool on Tailwind called smart.bio, so you can easily drive traffic to your best content without having to change your Instagram link all the time. Confidently create using their beautifully designed templates and easy to use desktop and mobile apps. The possibilities are truly limitless with Tailwind. To get started and try out Tailwind for yourself, go to tailwindapp.com slash That's T-A-I-L-W-I-N-D-A-P-P.com slash K-R-I-S-T-I and get started with a free trial today. If you love it, and I think you will, you'll get a $30 credit on your subscription too. That's tailwindapp.com slash to get a free trial and $30 off. And now back to the show. Yeah, I love that. And I totally 100% agree. (laughs) When I coach clients, there's many of them that don't want to be front and center in their brand. And I have to keep reiterating that if you don't share some of your story, you just look like everybody else on the internet. Um, It's very hard to differentiate your brand on You know, especially if you're not creating your product from scratch, it can be very hard. Like a lot of, like I work sometimes with um, fashion brands who are buying from other brands. And then it's really difficult to say why you're different when, you, somebody else can, they can buy those products from somebody else. Um, So you really have to dial into that story and your why. So I believe that's like kind of like a mindset thing where people feel like a bit of imposter syndrome, like they don't want to be seen or don't believe that like their story matters. But like you said, it, it creates connection, which is so, so important.
1: One more thing about that. You know, if you're listening to this and you're one of the people who are afraid, And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, Christy and Jessica, really easy for you guys to sit behind the mic and, you know, talk about doing this. And I, but I will tell you when I started e-commerce badassery, and this is a service based business, my clients are investing in me. And I knew that I had to show up and be the face, which is something I never, ever wanted to do. I've had other product-based businesses and i really just wanted to hide behind the brand and let the product, you know, do the talking for me. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to become easy overnight. You're just going to have to keep working on it and know that you are not the only person who was afraid to do it.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that you shared that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's so common. I mean, I'm a hundred percent guilty of this as well. And in circles, I used to like really hide behind my brand and I, it took me a long time to figure out that uh, I had to be front and center and that my story did matter. And that, you know, I I used to not even like my photo being taken
1: <laughs> like Same. way back.
0: We're talking like 10 years ago. I wouldn't want to even be in, in a photo, let alone on a website. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know? stress. So it is kind of an evolution and it's slow. Like you're not going to maybe start out doing like, you know, um, speeches to thousands of people tomorrow, but maybe you can start off by just, you know, sharing some things you love and an email and a little bit about yourself and your background and why you started. Um, cause I do believe that really does make a difference to people. And like you said, people are really looking to support small business right now and shop local and support women owned. Yep. Um, there's a big push for that. So the more you can bring yourself front and center, the better. For Um, sure. So what's the second automation you would recommend e-commerce merchants looking into?
1: A checkout abandonment. If you're on, you know, Shopify, if you're using ClaviO, what you're looking for is checkout abandonment versus cart abandonment. And that's just the way the system works. Um, And this goes beyond that single email that Shopify sends on your behalf. You are better off turning that off in Shopify and creating a series in your email service provider. And there's the main reason why this is a must-have is because up to 68% of carts are abandoned on an e-commerce website. Wow. It's huge number and it happens for a number of reasons. And sometimes it's just because you get distracted or I don't, I do this all the time is I will go to a website and I put a bunch of stuff in my cart and then I just leave it there and I wait to see if I'm still thinking about it. And it's that email that I get that reminds me it's sitting in the cart and I'm like, Oh yeah, I had that stuff. Let me go back. Do I still want this? And then I usually end up buying And that's very typical consumer behavior. And the other reason why you want this longer series is because as you get more advanced with your email marketing, I'm not saying you have to do this from the beginning, but once you start to get your legs, you can start splitting up that checkout abandonment journey based on the data that you have about that customer. Because maybe it needs to be a little bit more product specific. If you have a, maybe you have a small assortment, you have five items and there's very specific things that the customer needs to know about that item to make that final purchasing decision. And so you can get that specific in this content.
0: Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that one email from Shopify isn't sufficient. And also no. you can't really like customize the branding as much. And I don't know, it's a little bit more tricky to work in there, I find. So yes. Um, yes for and sure. how many emails do you think is like reasonable for an abandoned car? Like, are we talking about like two, three? Or have you seen them longer than that before?
1: I think it depends on your product and the path to purchase. So If I'm starting, you know, just with a basic something, it's likely going to be three-ish emails and I may split up that journey a little bit. So say the first email is kind of the same that goes to everyone. That's just sort of a general, hey, you left this behind. And then maybe the second email, if I have free shipping at $100, for instance, maybe I'm going to split that second email and make sure that the people who hit that threshold and have $100 in their cart know that, hey, you can get this you know, with free shipping. Because I will tell you, people don't read things on your website. So when you talk about things like your free shipping or whatever your policies are, you can't say them too much. Just remember that. Um, and then the third one, depending on the brand and your positioning and all that, for the, a first time customer, I may put a discount in there if it makes sense, just to get that first sale and reduce the risk a little bit.
0: Yes. You said something there that I have to reiterate. (laughs) People don't read things on their (laughs) website. They do not. Do not. So I love that idea of splitting by um, abandoned cart value and then reiterating that. That is so smart. So you're not even having to use a discount code. You're just already telling people what it is (laughs) on your website. That's amazing. Um, So, so smart. And yeah, we've seen a lot of success with our abandoned checkout, um, primarily just from even the first email, just reminding people, just like you said, like, you know, I'm guilty of it too, starting to build a basket and then I get distracted and I go somewhere and I'm always curious to see who will actually email me. Um, And a lot of businesses don't. So I feel like that's like a big miss and a great opportunity for e-commerce for sure. Um, so let's talk about the last automation. Like, is there something that you recommend, um, outside of this, like abandoned checkout and the welcome series that somebody could do pretty easily?
1: Yes. The post purchase series. So after someone buys something from you, and this goes beyond just the order confirmation and the shipping confirmation, all of that stuff. This is a separate series that you create. And when you're thinking about what goes in here, what the content is, I want you to ask yourself, what does the customer need to know or understand in order to have a good experience with your product and come back to leave you a good review? Ooh, that's good. I love that. (laughs) So what I learned is and this was from my you know my previous job and the product that we sold had a little bit of a learning curve and we would get all of these customer service inquiries and they'd want to return something and what we would find is it was actually a lot of user error or a mismatch in expectation so The goal of that post-purchase is to overcome all of those struggles, um, objections before the customer can even have them.
0: I love that. So like if you have a product that needs like a bit of training, like I'm trying to think of there was actually interestingly, um, there was, I was listening to a podcast episode about a, a razor. It was like for men. And I guess, I don't know a lot about men's razors, but I guess it was a a single blade straight razor. And it's like a new trend where men use like kind of that barbershop style razor at home. And it has like a big learning curve because it's very scary
1: for people. Oh my Um, gosh, yes. I would not let my husband use one of those.
0: Yeah, I know, right? It's like very (laughs) dangerous. So like they get people, they get a lot of conversions, I think, from social media because their videos are really cool. And then like they get a lot of people who either want to return it or they don't use it. So one of the things they developed was something like that, like a welcome series, like a post purchase, like educational series on how to use it, like step by step, like, this is how to do it safely. These are things to remember, like, I love that idea of dialing in. Um, And that works really well for them, because they've got like a very specific product. But like, what, what would you recommend for people who have like a broader assortment? Like, do you recommend like, asking them for feedback? Like, would this be the appropriate
1: series to ask for like a review at some point? So what I would do in terms of the review, I would actually have, you know, a separate review platform that actually triggers that review request for you if possible, because generally they will include the review form in the body of the email versus requiring the customer to come back to your website to leave it, right? Right. So you're just removing some of that friction. Um, This, for this, even if, let's say you're a boutique and you have this really wide assortment of different clothes, right? And it's changing seasonally. And so you're not really talking about a specific product think about what kind of conversation would you have with them if you were in a brick and mortar store would you talk to them about styling would you maybe have some sort of seasonal style guide if you are buying for a boutique you're generally you're buying seasonally you kind of have this overarching you know style different collections that you have so this is something that you could update periodically Or maybe it's just about reminding them how they can go about, you know, making the exchange if the sizes are wrong, you know, how to deal with customer service. One of the other ways you can think about this is reducing customer service inquiries is just as important a KPI as your traffic sales and conversion.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Because the time, energy, and effort that you put into fielding all of those questions and managing all of those inquiries, right? Like that is time and money spent. So, what can you do in that post-purchase series to eliminate some of that? I actually have a friend. She works for an eyewear company. Um, they have an e-commerce website. They're they're a very big company, but that is literally her only job her one metric and what she gets graded on is decreasing customer service inquiries.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I like that's that's such a great tip because a lot of our listeners are like solopreneurs or maybe they have, you know, a couple of employees so they're not like running these big teams. So having customer service inquiries is is a lot of work, work. and added work yeah. that's not necessarily always revenue generating but very important as well. So that's a great tip to make that post-purchase series, you know, a way to kind of reduce those inquiries. And I love that. I I think we have one that has like care instructions, like how to wash um, mm-hmm. your garments because t- people typically will treat what we've learned, sustainable fabrics the same. They would treat like Lululemon synthetics. So they'll like throw them in the dryer and use an iron on them. And we're like, oh, no, don't do that. And then they're <laughs> mad. Of course, when yeah. they like catch fire or something or burn a <laughs> hole in it or like snag it in like the dryer, or it shrinks or whatever. So um, we've, we've definitely been very intentional about that because we want to make sure that people get long life out of their clothing. So I love that tip. That's such a good one. Um, and.
1: That actually, I just had another thought and I don't, I mean, we worked together so long ago. I don't remember what your post-purchase looks like, but I know you have some evergreen products that you have all the time. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of them are convertible, right? You can wear them all these different ways. And I know you have that content on your website, but that would be really amazing content for your post-purchase as well, because just because it's on the product page, doesn't mean they looked at it or they're not going to remember like, oh, I saw this, but like, where was that? And if you are on Clavio, you can actually do that with dynamic blocks where you just show them the content that is related to the product that they purchased.
0: That is so smart. I was going to say like in my head, as you're speaking about that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to split it into like every single product (laughs) (laughs) and like the flow. If if you don't use clavio, you're probably like, have no idea what we're talking about right now, but you can branch off your your automation based on certain characteristics about people, what they bought, you know, how long they've been a customer, lots of stuff. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Clavio is so amazing. Um, But yeah, dynamic blocks are great. I'm going to have to probably be in contact with you after this interview, (laughs) because I don't really properly know how to use them. So
1: oh, I can definitely that would be so valuable, I think, for your business in particular, because you do have that smaller assortment. And Mm -hmm. it's super easy once you get the hang of it, I can definitely help you out with that.
0: Awesome. Um, so we've talked about Clavio a lot. Um, yeah, is that your preferred email software? and if people aren't on it, um, like do you recommend switching to it, or
1: do you recommend people just kind of work with what they've got? So it's definitely my absolute go to for email. Um, I do understand that when you are just starting out, you know, it's more of an investment. so I want to tell you to work with what you have if it means you're not going to get it done. Okay. So, and this is why you and I ended up working together, right? Because you get into Clavio, it's super powerful, which means it's also overwhelming. And if you are not an email marketer, it's not intuitive to you, right? I go in there and I know exactly what I'm looking for. So I was able to figure out Clavio pretty quickly but it can be really difficult if you're not sure where to start. So I don't want that to be the reason why you don't do email. Yeah, well, exactly.
0: And and the cost is, it is more expensive, but it, like you talked about in the beginning, this is a really high revenue potential channel that's often underutilized. So probably it'll pay for itself even in like, like a one email or something like that, potentially with right. people, if they're doing yes. it properly. So it's For definitely sure. something worth investing in. And the person who manages our email marketing actually at encircled. she left in early November, and I had to take over Clavio. So I can fully <laughs> attest to the fact that it does take some time, and I was already familiar with it, but it's not the most intuitive. Um, and I think they've got a lot of features and almost like too many features that you like I'm constantly discovering things, but that makes it all more worth the while because it is so powerful, like the analytics in there, like the ability to, um, you know, get into customer behavior, like very specific segments that you would never be able to do in something like a MailChimp, I think is really priceless. So I'm I'm definitely a huge fan, but then that's why they can work with you. They can hire somebody (laughs) like you to help you out, help them out and setting up series and stuff like that. Um, cool. So before we get into the hot seat questions, I just want to hear a little bit about like, what's next for you? Like, what are you working on? I know you do coaching and you have your podcast. Is there anything
1: coming up that you wanted to highlight? So what I've figured out after, you know, working with so many entrepreneurs one-on-one is that everyone's really struggling with a lot of the same things like we talked about in the beginning. So data, understanding that, knowing how to figure out what your best next steps are in your business versus just hearing like, oh, this person did these three things. So I'm going to go do those three things. Um, but I'm only one person. So I've created a group container that I am super, super excited about, which will be, um, kicking off in January. And it's going to be a blend of training where we're gonna actually go deep into specific topics with an implementation follow-up call to actually help you implement what you're learning. Um, I don't know if you've done a lot of group programs, but the ones that I've done, they kind of teach you something and then kind of leave you on your own to like Mm -hmm. figure out how to do it, which means you probably don't ever do it. so I'm really excited to sort of fill that gap and then it will also have a mastermind component as well so that everyone can learn and grow from the collective and I'm actually I'm calling it a mega mind I was really excited when I came up with that name I thought I was super cool (laughs) I love it
0: (laughs) new word you gotta trademark that (laughs) yes yes love it um awesome so people can probably check that out on your website is that the best place to learn about it
1: Yes. So you can actually, if you find me on Instagram at e-commerce badassery, because I do actually have two levels depending upon where you're at in your business. So I'm really curating those groups and Mm -hmm. the content and everything is different. So if it's something, you know, you want to grow your business in 2021 and you want to be surrounded by other e-commerce entrepreneurs, just message me on Instagram so I can get you the right information depending upon where you're at.
0: Awesome. So we'll link to her Instagram in the show notes so you can grab that. Um, So let's get into the hot seat questions as we wrap up. So what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine?
1: Quiet time with my morning coffee.
0: (laughs) Ooh, so jealous. Love coffee. (laughs) Um, So what's your favorite business book that you've ever read?
1: I honestly do not read a ton of books, but I just recently picked up the EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating mm-hmm. System book series, and I'm really excited to dig into those.
0: Yeah, those are great. I recommend it to all my clients. We use it at Encircled as well. It's been a big game changer. So I, you'll have to let me know what you think of the books because they're quite For good. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, so what's your favorite podcast, I guess, other than yours that you're listening <laughs> to right now?
1: So there's two. I listen to Build Your Tribe with Shalene Johnson for quick like Instagram and social media strategies, like very actionable things. And then I really enjoyed the e-commerce master plan podcast with Chloe Thomas.
0: Oh, yeah, that is a good one. I forgot about that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one um awesome so we'll link to those in the show notes too so you guys can check them out um so if you could wear one outfit on repeat for the rest of your life what would it be
1: black ripped skinny jeans a black t-shirt a leather jacket and something leopard, probably my shoes, which is pretty <laughs> much how I dress now, all black, everything.
0: <laughs> I love, I love a good monochrome look. It makes it so easy to get dressed. <laughs> yes. It takes no brain power. Yes, totally. Um, and last, what's your favorite Instagram fo- account that you're following right now?
1: I love rebels refinery. Oh yeah. I know that brand. Yeah. So they have one of the best like hard goods. So they're a lip balm product-based Instagrams I've ever seen. It's so clever the way they, the imagery that they create with this seemingly like boring product, it's lip balm, Um, and it's just really beautiful.
0: That's so interesting. It's a Canadian brand. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, they're in Toronto. Um, I don't even know how I know that, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they were were originally, I'm pretty sure this is the brand that originally was like a men's facial care brand. And I think they evolved quite a bit. So I'm going to have to check that out because I'm so curious to see what they're doing. Cause I'm always looking for interesting inspo for our
1: Instagram as well. So, yes, it's so they have, so they have rebels refinery is the actual lip balm and the lip balms are in like different shapes, like a skull or a pineapple mm-hmm. or a heart. Yeah. And then they have, I think it's rebel skin or something mm-hmm. is their other brand, but the Refinery one is the one that it's just amazing what they do. I'm like, who is doing your Instagram? Please, can I meet them? Because it's so good.
0: (laughs) Amazing. All right. So to wrap up, let's just go over where people can connect with you online. You shared so much great information today. So many tips. I feel like anybody listening to this podcast could take, you know, even one of your tips and probably make another extra $500 today. So (laughs) where can people find you online and where's the best place to connect with you?
1: For sure. So my website is badassery.com and I'm badassery on all the social media channels. I have my podcast, which is also badassery. If you search that, you will find me. Um, And I'd love to share my free resource library with your listeners. I've taken all of the freebies that I created and I just put them in one place to make it easy. And you can grab that by going to ecommercebedastry.com forward slash free stuff.
0: Yay, that's amazing. Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes and we'll link up to all the stuff that she talked about today. Thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on the podcast. It's been really, I've learned a lot even in this last like 40 minutes. (laughs) So thank you. I really appreciate your
1: time. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for having me.